Torch is a city in turmoil. With the town's namesake out of commission, the people need a strong leader to guide them through this difficult time. That person is not Dolga Fettert. While the rest of the council is away, Dolga comes out to play. Only she's playing for keeps. And when the town's economy needs a stimulus, Dolga offers thousands of gold to anyone willing to listen. Dolga is a power-hungry dwarf who forces her way into people's places of business because she feels like it. This menace to society is abusing her power to relive her glory days of adventuring, but at much too high a cost. The people are getting hurt. The people of Torch have had enough. When one woman plays judge, jury, and executioner, nobody is safe. It's time to stand up to this tyrant. It's time to take back Torch for the people. Paid for by the Society of Casino and Gambling Hall, owners and proprietors. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Machine Learning, a pod about the machine from Pod Against the Machine, the only podcast with a supplementary podcast with a 25-word title. Once again, for I think the third time now, I am your host, Juro. I am joined by Izzy. Hello. Zach. Howdy. And special guest, Sam. Ahoy, hoy. Can you pronounce your name again? S- S- who are you? I think it's Sam. It's actually pronounced Steve, but it's it's spelled mm. S A M. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. Now that's a uh, East Czechoslovakian, I think, right? Soft Eve. Right. <laughs> crawl into your ceiling in the background. I was going to say, I was like, Sam, there's a spider on your wall, no, or it's some a- sort of monster. It was a cat that hurled itself into the ceiling. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, that was definitely something climbing up into the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Immediately I didn't know if that was going to be uh, like somebody's head from the thing or what that was. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, aside from the terrifying demons that we're seeing through Skype and Sam's background, we are going to have a little bit of a recap of May's episodes. So start off with in 20 we decided to storm the castle so to speak and head to garmin's warehouse bringing along the mayor for some reason because we (laughs) couldn't really find anybody else and we decided that you know what we're a new level let's go beat up a bunch of people what did everybody think of the warehouse fight our first level three combat that was pretty satisfying was good as a person who is not necessarily like I said I my version of combat I come in I hit a thing I leave again but that I, I really think all three of you really had a moment where I was like this is so good I don't even care anymore and then kind of remembered afterward oh I should also play that was just it was a very satisfying turn of events and kudos to all of you sky metal right <laughs> 
Yeah. I was really excited to get a bunch You're of new welcome. spells and use them all uh, within like five minutes of waking up. And I will also add that it wasn't an arbitrary decision to, uh, I wouldn't say deputize the mayor, because I guess she deputized us. But, you know, it, it wasn't arbitrary because she's a giant adamantine warhammer and was just kitted out and like ready to enact <laughs> martial justice at just the women word of some weirdos who spent a bunch of time under the mountain so i mean i love it she was ready to just straight up go to war with a, a local business leader on, on our beck and call so that's a that's a valuable thing to have in our pocket i would say but um i i would say that was also a little frustrated that like you know i i really wanted to get him man i mean i throw in like color sprays and grease all over the place i was really hoping that we were able to take him down and yeah no you threw everything but the kitchen sink at him and he still managed to slip out it's true i mean it, it's unfortunate like glitter dust is i don't have it so yeah <laughs> it's not much we can do against invisibility at this level <laughs> now one thing i will say we recorded 19 and 20 back to back and in 19 you guys decided to bring dolga with you dolga doesn't have a stat block in the book they tell you that she is a fighter three aristocrat two and that she has a plus one adamantine <laughs> warhammer and that's it. So in in the five minute break between recording 19 and 20, I cracked open Path oh Builder God. and I made her a character sheet. Yeah. Um, and she was she was pretty solid. Yeah. I think yeah, she took some stuff out. <laughs> I mean, the fact that she was level five, I think. Yeah, helped. true. No. Yeah. One more level. We get that vital strike. But. She's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, she held her own pretty freaking well. I was going to say centenarian, but she's actually 200, right? I'm not sure how long dwarves live in Galarian. And she's, I think, the second oldest age category. I remember, I feel so, like you said, didn't you say like the town was 200 years old and she was one of the founders? She's, yeah, right around there. No, the town's not that old. Oh, okay. Um, For some the, reason, I swear I, I remember 200 when I think of her, and I don't know I why. Think, I think the town is about 80 years old. I'm not seeing the lifespans immediately, but I, they live longer than humans. Yeah. We also, after that fight, we found something really exciting. Our first uh, real big piece of tech which was pretty freaking cool. Like, we found the little healer guns and the radiation detector, but we found the... I'm going to call it radio, for lack of a better name, just from how it looks on the uh, screen, but that awesome power generator. Yeah, the power relay, which is also, like, an our first artifact, right, Sam? Yeah. I mean, there is... There's so much more I want out of that that, like, it didn't make sense to sit down and, and fiddle with, obviously, because we needed to get back under the hill. Who knows what was going on under there. Da -da 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 -da. But man, where the power is going is just, like, weighing so heavy on my mind. Because that's it's an answer to a question we haven't even totally asked yet. Mm. No, yeah, and to that end, this is, we're now on a completely different question. This is no longer recap, so uh, everyone take note. But where do you think it comes from? I feel like every time I listen, go back and listen to an episode, I hear something I just completely missed the first time around. And I'm like, oh, we're actually looking for something here. And so listening to that episode in particular, I was like, this is a, this is a big deal. I realized, you know, a month and a half after actually recording that. And I'm, so I now spend all my nights, I'm like, okay, well, what could it be 
I guess it's not generating power, right? It's a relay, so it'd be like just a kind of little stopping point, sort of. Well, it's sending it 150 miles somewhere, right? Wasn't that the, we were told it's somewhere within like 100 miles, 150 miles or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's up it no to 150 miles is. away. We turned it off, so it no longer is sending, or can it still? Right. Yeah. It's off right now, so it, it can't. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Is that like, <laughs> the second that that turns off, who is coming to turn it back on? Yeah. And like, that, that is why Brixby has been so like, I mean, we can, I, I, in, I think it's episode 21. I think we talk about it a little bit more about who we think. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's later we, we, we float some different theories based off of stuff that we discover, I think. Being real vague because we haven't recapped 21 yet. <laughs> well, there's a time for that. <laughs> can, uh, yeah. Seamlessly, without calling attention to it, roll into the recap of the next episode, 21. Here we go. And segue. Smooth segue. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Smooth as a tube of yogurt. Every time. Every time. This is one of those <laughs> many party split episodes that Sam loves. Fan base loves. Everybody loves. It's it's really just yeah. it's what we do best. It's just <laughs> divide and subdivide. Yeah, no, the uh split up gang Scooby Doo. <laughs> I believe the term Scooby Dooin was used once or twice Thrown at around. least on that episode. So Yeah. Yeah. But Scooby Dooin we did. I know that, you know, Vargas mm-hmm. and I went with the Centarian to Dickinson, I don't know, whatever. She's old. Venerable hammer wielding mare. And to Garmin Ulrith's house in the fancy district that he didn't really That's, seem yeah. to live in. And we broke in with this not with the stealth. Kind of like Steel Team Six, see a bit. There was some kicking. Yeah, smashed in both doors and just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we zero dark thirty the doors to an empty house. Went inside, mm-hmm. took some twenties, rustled some stuff around. Eventually, found a safe. Brixby did what he did best. Looked for <laughs> traps, failed to find them, and got injured by them. Yeah. Um, Real bad. Specifically, he got a uh, metal spike. I believe we decided, be- based on the amount of damage it did, that it went it's through his face. Through the face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. But as a fine uh, reward for that, that great sacrifice of his, you know, subnormal charisma visage, even more nasty now. Yeah, we got some of Garmin's personal effects. One of those things was a letter. This letter was really exciting to us because, as we were mentioning just moments ago, we've been speculating how many parties are at play here, like what's going on, where this power is going, etc., etc. And now we know that Garmin is working with the purple-haired woman, M. How did that make you feel, Izzy? Uh, good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The longer answer to that is that I think as you guys, so while you guys were doing that, Kira and Asher went to the casino and had much less luck, much to the party's dismay for a number of reasons, which I'll come back to in a second. But you opening the letter and like reading it 
reminded me of way back when, before we had started recording, when Sam was still like, you know, doing like mini lore dumps and sending things out. And this feels like it's an okay thing to talk about. But if not, we can cut it out. But like having having those like everyone gets like a little like this is a thing you've heard about another character Mm -hmm. um, or about the town. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suddenly had I was like, oh, my God, that's right. I remember that from August of uh, that was that I then (laughs) mentioned in that same game. So I don't think I'm spoiling anything of like having heard that Garmin was yeah. had been employed by the technically like the whole time, which I clumsily then manufactured in Akira being like, oh, right, I forgot about this thing. It's one of those, you know, where your character knows significantly more or less than you do. In this case, neither Kira nor I got that until that very moment. And then I was like, how do I make this sound <laughs> like I didn't just remember this from fact? Which I didn't do. But the fact is, it's out there and just kind of continues to weave in this whole other mystery that I kind of keep forgetting about. Um, It makes me excited for what happens after this, when we eventually fix the torch and then presumably go on and just take out the whole Technic League, I think, is where my goals (laughs) lie. My own self. And to go a little bit more into it, quite part of this specific recap but it was a neat little thing and i don't know if it's something sand camp with or if it's something that the uh ap suggested but he had us each give three little bits of stuff about us like i was it two true and one false or two false and one true i can't remember which two truths and a lie and then yeah i think it was basically two truths and a lie yeah and then he like tweaked it some and disseminated it out amongst the other players without telling anyone like whether it was true like to basically create rumors about the characters that the other ones would know and it was a really neat little touch it was um a play on the with a thing that i think paizo has done in a lot of adventure paths where they give you a table of rumors about the town and they're like some of these are true some of these are false some of these are like exaggerations on the truth um so i took those and then i took all the the ones that you all came up with and i mixed them together and i can't remember how many i gave each of you but you know you got rumors that weren't necessarily true weren't it and stuff about each other and all that good stuff i'm still pretty excited for those to come to surface I've been thinking about, mm-hmm. like, it was a big part of the things I was thinking about initially before our characters knew each other and we had anything to go off of. But at this point, it's still only been, what, two, three days in game by? I think 21? three days. I think we're dawn of the third day. Uh, and two days till the moon comes down and kills us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so by that time, you know, if I, I got three of those rumors from you, Sam, one of them about the town, and then others not about the town. And I think... I've been thinking, trying to figure out, was like, when would Kira, if she would bring this up? Because I don't know necessarily that she would. And I don't, if she would, it would not be until she knew people better. But I personally am like, so how much of this is true? But you'll just have to wait for that, I guess. <laughs> so we had our little Scooby-Dooing. We split up, searched, weren't able to find Garmin, but were able to find some really interesting info about him that he's working with the League. And I think, I'm trying to remember, did that note just have an initial, or did we actually get a name from that that we can now think we can attach to uh, uh, the, the note, mountain person? The note just had was signed with an M. Just an initial, okay. I was trying to remember if it was an initial or a full We name. got... Okay. Kira and Asher talked to Nick Shariel, is that how you say it? We've asked that name 18 different times, yes, and I never remember how the, to pronounce uh, it. Um... 
the snooty elf mm-hmm, assistant. at the casino and she was like not at all forthcoming and we pressed her and got nothing and then both left and then the next day she came back and she had like roused the place and laughed and we're like dang it so close yeah. i still think that we should have just punched her way into the office but what are you gonna do it's back on the accidental yeah. war crime situation <laughs> <laughs> so after that, all of that, we gathered as much info as we could and decided that that was pretty much all we were going to get. Garmin is in the wind and his assistant is in the wind and they took most of their uh, evidence with them, we think. So we decided, you know what, we got nothing else to do but go back under the mountain. So we rested and popped down under the mountain the next morning. We bought a bag, my dude. Oh, yes, we did. We bought a uh, bag of holding so that we didn't have to keep making Kira carry everybody's stuff. (laughs) I mean, is Kira holding the bag of holding? Because I feel like she's still carrying all this stuff, but I don't have to worry about tracking it anymore, or at least not (laughs) weight-wise. Yeah, now she has a personal pocket dimension that's doing a lot of the work. It's much easier to just uh, track the 10 pounds or whatever it is that that thing is than to try to keep track of... 70 pounds worth of various swords and weaponry <laughs> is yeah no kind of a bummer for me personally also canonically because if she is carrying that bag it's a very cute bag it's it wasn't before <laughs> but obviously we we stopped off at joanne's and picked up the she appropriate yeah, fabrics i don't know if those things have to be enchanted or whatever in order to maintain the properties of the bag itself and frankly, I don't care. Oh, she could probably add it as as kind of a sham around it, like a like a cozy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bag of holding. Well, and, and speaking of magic piece, uh, pieces of cloth, like now that we have a large, you got this bag of holding here. We can finally stuff like non-breathing things, like robots and corpses, in there. Instead of the blanket, we could carry a couple. Yeah. Heck, we're not limited to just one dead friend at a time. Well, it could be. Zach, a I don't. Let's not get too far away from the roots of the show. I think the fans <laughs> have really come to rely upon the DFB as a staple of what we stand mm-hmm. for. I'm just saying we don't have to. We yeah. we still can, but we no longer need to. Just the dragging isn't necessary. It's a it's a voluntary thing. <laughs> Yeah, we're just doing it for fun. <laughs> well, I think we're more doing it for merchandising at this point. When we open up our store, we're going to have dead friend blankets on sale. DFB Junior. <laughs> They'll be very tasty. I assume that's how we kind of, you know, that's that's us asserting a little bit of dominance over the town. You know, like we just drag a dead friend through a blanket once and then a technological marvel the next night. And like people a, are scared. Right. And kind Don't of threaten us. We could... Sad drag you through town in a blanket it's true (laughs) (laughs) and uh speaking of dead friends another thing that happened the last thing that happened in this group of episodes was the polar opposite of our warehouse fight where we went hey we're a new level we got all these new powers and we dominated the fight we then uh after going back under the mountain got ourselves a rematch against a one mr hetua and he didn't do any worse this fight than he did the first one we might as well have not taken that level up for the all the uh difference it made against him that was a rough episode um yeah no i think that like a couple things are at play here that have 
I mean, historically worked against us. Like one is is bottlenecking or like bot, like you know when we get stuck in like two by two mm -hmm. formation or less, it's rough. Like not being able to get our frontliners to the front, stacking two to four in AC of soft cover in front of Asher, whatever the hell Brixby does in mm -hmm. fights besides die before yeah. dying. But, and that leads into the second point, which is that was one of those fights where I just like walked through a door and immediately got hit. Right. So like that, that, mm -hmm. that kind of sets the tone of things. Like, I mean... I, I, I understand for story reasons, especially because he's undead, why this is possible. But I love the idea of the fake sun rising and setting while he's just standing by the door with his arm cocked <laughs> for like, you know, maybe takes like a brief moment to like go to the bathroom for a second with a be back in five minutes sign with a boxing glove attached to like a metal arm at that point. But like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it really felt like he was just waiting to fuck Brixby's day up. Like just <laughs> so, I don't, no, we'll just put a uh, cute little sensor yeah. beep over that and leave it in. I that was, I think, one thing that that the only thing that really brought for me levity to that episode was the image of take, um, him standing there in the shadows for days, just like I'm gonna punch this rat so hard uh, because most of the rest of the episode was real stressful. I don't know. I don't know how you all felt. That was, I think maybe, and there was like, there were definitely stressful moments in the podcast, but I, this one was, I was like, okay, so if someone dies, do we all get like a break? Cause I'm going to have to excuse myself to go cry <laughs> in my bedroom and then come back and be like, I guess this is where we're picking up now. That was, I think half of that episode, I was like, okay, well, which move should I, well, the, the half that I was conscious was, I was like, what move should I be doing? And the other half was like, literally, how do we keep podcasting if someone dies? Cause I will need to take a 10. Um, <laughs> oh, so we can say that glad that didn't happen. I was real real concerned i don't ugh. and now i kind of feel like we've discussed after the pre-game tpk what we do mechanically but i was like i literally do not know how to come back from this if brixby is if dies here i was like that seems like a how do you keep recording then because i'm sad yeah, like, so uh i'm building no, that awful. into my recovery plan as a just take a take a five go for a quick jog and then come mm. back so like sam do you find that it's it's more difficult to look at yourself in the mirror after episodes like this? <laughs> I just want to know as a an injured rat. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Deserve an answer. I didn't specifically plan for Brixby to be in the front yeah. there. I was sort of assuming that it would have been a a real frontliner. <laughs> if that's not too mean to say, like you know, somebody with with double digit HP, you know, is the main thing. <laughs> But I was super excited about the fact that Hedoath was not dead and he was just waiting to punch somebody in the face. I thought you guys were going to house him just based on how easy the Ulrith fight was. And I seriously underestimated the bottleneck, I think, because he didn't have yeah. his swords. He didn't have his javelins. He didn't have his cloak of resistance. He was a diminished foe. Mm -hmm. And you guys were one level higher. That bottleneck. But yeah, the fact that he could just stand there. Ugh. And just drop you one by one as you stepped up to him. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> that was real I think I took three hits trying to get around him to get into yeah. flanking, and still never managed to get actually all the way around. That happened to Bricks too. <laughs> I remember Bricks like who had a really good chance, like acrobatic, like you know, flipping around the other side to get into the flank is kind of bread and butter of rogue things. Granted, he hasn't been a rogue for the past couple levels, but yeah, thought he could pull it off. But yeah, when I failed that, oh. But I knew it was, I knew it wasn't <laughs> going to go well. 
because there was no if we weren't getting a flank on him then yeah like we were we were just getting stacked up asher who really like can save us in in times when we need heavy dps if, especially if like kira's down or something like that just can't get a clear shot when we're all in front of him i mean it's a it's a great tactic that um this this whole kind of book has presented for us fighting under there because i think it's made the galarn fights much more difficult because i mean i don't know like fighting like kasafa's on zombies out in the open was just like whatever like we can get around you we can trash you we can whatever but i mean it's been really neat kind of right off and by neat i mean sort of frustrating fighting in all the tight quarters that that even our our later episodes that i almost just spoiled so i'm gonna stop talking right now yep <laughs> narratively it was a lot of fun and one of those again great like we've leveled up we all felt super strong coming out of that warehouse fight and then immediately walking back into that cave and being like almost back to back i mean i anticipate i again as i've discussed before one of the reasons i like playing kira is because she's super strong physically but pretty new to fighting period and fighting with people like the idea of strategy doesn't occur to either of us frankly uh so i kind of expected as soon as we like went into that and i missed that first jet i was like okay well i'm going down that's what happened in the last fight fully anticipated kira going down that's in my head and probably in hers it's kind of her job in a situation like this like move up do what you can and then get out of the way yeah. uh and that didn't work because it was more like a move up miss and then get taken out real quick and then yeah. everyone else also did that and that yeah. was, was like oh this is gonna be bad this is this is really bad and it's funny you talk about like narratively like kira doesn't quite know how to fight yet I feel like Vargas going down is from the opposite problem. Because narratively, like, when he was younger, he was basically... I'm imagining that he was a sword and board style fighter when he was younger. And that's basically what he thinks of when he thinks of fighting. So he's like, I'll just circle around the side. I can take a hit or two and then gets punched in the face and immediately drops down because he's not in that kind of shape anymore and doesn't do that kind of fighting anymore. And he just hasn't accepted that yet. Uh, well, we'll get there. We're, we're figuring it out. And look, we all live thanks to Jeff slash Asher as per usual. I had a terrifying moment during that recording where I thought that Jeff was about to try to stand and bang with him and, and just like take the hits with the guy who has four slam attacks as a ranged character. I, I thought he wasn't going to move out of the way and make him chase him. And I was like, this is a DPK if he doesn't move. Why won't you move? I mean, like, despite the fact that it's been like an action-packed series of days, it has only been a very short period of time in which some of us have even multi-classed, so like, and I mean, I don't really want to get into things that I think will be thematically explored, but like, why some of us might not be as optimal at playing the classes that they're currently at aside from they're maybe not as good as playing wizards mm. as they are rogues <clears throat> but yeah i think that like you know we're all just learning how to fight with each other the idea of like kira getting it through her head or vargas or i mean i'd say brixby but he's pretty short of getting out of the way of someone with a gun after we might not have even known that guns existed four days ago. I mean, like, we'd seen bows and arrows and other ranged weapons, but, like, you know, it's just completely different. Uh, what I'm getting at is that I, w I would like to say that I am cutting our PCs a little slack because they're just <laughs> yeah. learning. And like you said, like, it's been months that the show's been going on, but it's been less than a week in universe. And they've leveled up three times. Like, 
or leveled up two times, you know what I mean? They've leveled up two level three, like, and like you said, like, with the ones multi-classing, you and Asher, gaining these new incredible abilities, and then immediately going out and being expected to use them in combat, like, at, just a couple hours later, is crazy. Totally, yeah. It's it's a weird thing about leveling up. It's a weird thing about, you know, I, I find this does happen frequently with a lot of different APs, but I mean, especially with this AP, like, a lot has been smushed into a very short period of time. Um, and it can be really strange when you're listening to a podcast, for example, and like four months, like you said, are playing it and then just be like, yeah, only like 48 hours have elapsed in these species' lives. It never isn't trippy, but I think works really well in a way that it is at least fun to play if nothing else it's sort of like 24 where you know you watch the whole season is takes place in a day but it's 24 yeah. episodes or however many yeah, episodes and it takes months to watch so kind of mm-hmm. the same thing on that subject uh when do we get the episode that's just uh garrett being chased by a cougar for an hour <laughs> <laughs> something like a machine learning 10 yeah, no. I mean, that could be in this episode right now if you want to record it. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Well, we're still working on securing the rights to Yakety Sacks, which I think is... <laughs> Probably should have started planning for that one last year. Our bad. So, yeah, that's pretty much the recap of this month's set of episodes. Does anybody have any last thing they want to say about what the very capable four have experienced over the past month? I think now that we're actually rid of the guy, I can actually tell you what was going on with Hetuath and his skull buddies since you you failed the knowledge checks a couple times. They had this, I think it's just called regeneration was the trait, but basically they would come back to life every 26 hours. No matter what, you could have crumbled them to dust, they would have come right back. Unless their bones were exposed to the, the simulated sun. So when you hit that button and reset the power and brought the, you know, environmental controls back oh, up. That killed all the outside ones. Yeah, that, um, it turned the skeletons to dust, but Hetoath wasn't out there. So he stood back up and, you know, he 26 hours later, and I had a, like a tally going for how many hours passed for when he was going to be back up. And it didn't wind up being a thing because you guys sort of took a day off or took a day outside the mountain. But after that, he was up and he was ready to kill. And he was screaming, like, how did you do it? Because all of his minions were gone and he was still stuck in this eternal life. Mm. Now, see, I wondered if maybe he was asking us how we killed, like, one of the robots or something. When you said, like, how did he kill them? How did you kill them? And I'm like, well, he's way stronger (laughs) than us. I can't imagine that he's confused we could kill a robot. Because I imagine he could kill a robot pretty freaking easy, too. So he was talking about how did we permanently kill his men. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes way more sense. Was he talking? He was talking about how did we... Because now I'm, I'm a little bit sad. I'm like, oh, he's just like suffering for years on end. But then also he tried to murder everyone twice. So I don't feel that bad. <laughs> yeah. Some part of me, Izzy, is like, oh, geez, sorry, buddy. But then I think when you're we actually playing through and I was Izzy, he was like ready to murder a dude. Because I was like, I don't really appreciate you bringing this kind of drama to my Tuesday night. <laughs> but it was fine. We lived. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about why they were there, aside from the fact that, you know, the ship itself or that floor was supposed to emulate Kasoth. And then also not knowing a ton about Kasothos or anything. Is that like a real thing? Like when they die on the 
planet of Kasoth if the sun doesn't touch their bones or is it just a regeneration thing because of the juju zombies? Well, I've, is this like I'm assuming it's because they're already undead, right? It's something that happened when they were created as undead. Yeah, I think it was kind of just like specific to the curse that fell on uh, on these undead. Okay, that makes sense. And so the, you know they didn't understand what was happening to them, but. Um, yeah. There was a little hint that I dropped in there that only like the ridiculously biggest um, Pathfinder nerd would get is when they died, like when the skeletons died, they just fell into a pile of bones. But undead in Pathfinder don't leave bodies behind. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they crumble away and the body's just gone. So, okay, I thought you meant like you left a hint for how they became undead. And I was going to say, did their cave god curse them? I can't speak to that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something we can still find out. I just think it's kind of funny, if not a wee bit ironic, that the old devotee of Xiphus had his minions accidentally wiped out by me pressing a button. I think that's pretty funny. Well, that's what you get. They got what he wanted. Venerating senseless yeah, there you go. death yeah. or undeath. We got that it. That is a very karmic death. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That was really nice. This episode, gonna get a Pulitzer. Or whatever they get in podcast. <laughs> Only way it could have been better was if during our fight with him, he had somehow like tripped and fell into the sunlight and also <laughs> died accidentally. <sighs> Which would have stolen away the like glory of Asher slash Jeff getting that final blow. But all of us were unconscious, so I guess it's meaningless anyway. Yeah. Because if you didn't see it, it just didn't happen. <laughs> we can tell him. Yeah. He could tell us whatever he wants. That was Schrodinger's yeah. smite. <laughs> If Asher shoots a gun and there's no one conscious to hear it, does it actually make a noise? <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be the end of our recap section. And we'll see everybody after this message with our Q&A. Has this ever happened to you? Oh no, the mysterious purple flame responsible for the livelihood of my sleepy hometown is out, and the adventure I'm on to save said town has all my weapons smeared in bad guy blood! Hahaha, <laughs> me too. Hi, I'm an NPC Sam has definitely mentioned, but hopefully not named before, and I'm here to tell you about the Glitterant. The Glitterant! The Glitterant is the new, all-natural, gluten-free adventurous kit that lets the fashion-conscious hero personalize their weapons of chaos and destruction. It's easy. Simply vow vengeance for the death of a close friend or beloved mentor, hack and slash your way through an enigmatic death trap full of skeletons, rock monsters, and trauma, and don't forget to sparkle. The Glitterant! Once your weapon has been thoroughly bathed in the blood of thine enemies, tell your friends to hang on a sec while you douse your blade in glitter like you're spreading the ashes of a recently deceased zombie murderer. The Glitterant. Sold at all your favorite local craft stores except for one. Use code KEEPMYNAMEOUTOFYOURMOUTHMICHAEL for additional 20% off ribbons and streamers. Hurry, before the blood dries. The Glitterant. The Glitterant is never tested on animals and also cruelty-free aside from the copious use of blood to adhere said glitter to your weapon. Please do not eat the Glitterant or use it to revel in the demise of your victims. The Glitterant is not responsible for glowing scorpions or being knocked unconscious, like, all the time. Oh, here's one from uh, Bellandora, or Belandra, which is, again, my preferred way of saying it, but also pretty sure wrong. What has been your most epic character moment to date? Uh, could be this game or any game. Sam. 
You go first this time. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to do a deep, deep pull to back in the old AOL days. I used to do like basically play by post, but in chat rooms. And I had this one character who went through several iterations, but in the end he was basically a T-1000. But it was fantasy and it all made sense for story reasons. But he wound up getting in a fight with, you know, basically a Dragon Ball Z character because such things happen. Um, (laughs) He was just massively outmatched power level wise because it's Dragon Ball Z and he just kept getting chunks blown out of him. And I think in the end he had like a nail gun and he like shot the guy full of nails while he was only like a torso sitting on the ground and eh, both characters wound up dying but it felt very epic to like 12 year old Sam. (laughs) Nice. Death by nail gun. Love that. I'm done. Oh, I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to say a person. I don't know how to do this. I'm not hosting. I'm going to do Jero because he's sitting in the shadow over there. He is sitting in a shadow. <laughs> Only have one light on in this room instead of the normal three that I have when we're rolling dice. Uh, I mean, honestly, probably this show, Vargas waking up and killing that frog. <laughs> that was almost mine. It's not even mine, but I was like, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of anything I've done in the home game that was half as epic as that. Like, granted, we were going to win that fight anyway, because if he didn't do that, Jeff would just shoot it. But it was such a cool moment. Like, and I love the fact that this dumb thing that I picked, like, I honestly picked that trait because it sounded cool story-wise. And I'm like, I'm never going to freaking use this trait. And even if I do, it's useless. You can't even stand up because you only get one move or one action and then you're Mm -hmm. down again. And I ended up using it in, what, the second episode of the show (laughs) and killing an enemy with it. I think that's probably the most epic moment any of my characters have had. And not to steal this moment from you, but uh, Asher was blind. Brixby was blind. And oh, I forgot that Asher Lyra was blind. And, yeah. and um, Vargas were both down to like one hit point apiece. So like, it is, it's not nothing. <laughs> we, I don't know that we yeah. would have won that battle if that hadn't worked. True. I forgot that Asher was blind. All, all, that's, yeah, that's why it got as far as it did. Yeah. Like, Dang it, Asher, we need yeah. you here. And he was like, no, I'm blind. Uh, Zach. Uh, Ken, uh, let's see. I have like a couple like Pathfinder related ones that you maybe think of. I've always loved that while it is a super high level spell, that animate object can be used on corpses canonically to create an animated like corpse or zombie that isn't actually undead. So I had a character, a witch that had access to this spell and that raised the fallen brethren of a paladin that was in the DM's opposing party. And despite, you know, their best efforts and, uh, or maybe it was a cleric, I think because they were trying to use positive energy and it just wasn't working. And the, the witch was laughing and saying that their God has abandoned them. So that was a, that was a pretty like kind of exciting, like I got you kind of moment using a spell i don't know i also like once just once uh in a in a one-off got to use a a character that was designed to use like improvised weapons like shinikigami style i'm probably pronouncing that wrong they were like a a brawler that an archetype that used that that wound up picking up a a character's severed arm and, and using it as a as a weapon for a little while i know these are both really gory but like character sam's initial story sort of inspired me to remember my uh, sort of 
dark ones. So uh, yeah, those are my moments. Cool, 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 cool. Um, mine is not that. Um, this is a 5e Princess of the Apocalypse game, I think. And this was one of very few times which I like chose initially to play a caster, but I was playing Bladesinger, which is like <laughs> a caster with a sword. Because again, really my preferred method is just smashing things until they're dead. But we needed a caster for this particular game. And the the great thing about that is like you have a crazy high AC, uh, so you almost never get hit. And you could just sneak in and do damage and cast spells. And I loved it. The not so great thing, of course, is you are still very much a wizard. And when you do get hit, it's real bad. So most of the first three sessions of that game, I got in some great damage and then just passed out for the rest of the it's game in that way, really, uh, except for the getting in great damage first part. This particular one, we were up against our first like big bad of the campaign. And I had one of those ideas in my head where you plan out several rounds in advance, which I never do because I don't enjoy it. But I was excited about this one. I'd set this little trap and they were going to wander in. It was going to be great. And then before I could execute that spell, I got taken down and I was so mad. But then on my turn, I rolled the person tried, like our GM tried to kill me, like was just to be a jerk in the in the game, tried three times to hit me while I was down, which like, you know, then double damage and all that sort of thing. Missed all three times on my turn. I rolled and uh, got a nat 20 on my first death save. So I got to come back with one point. Uh, and what I should have done was left just like disengaged and went and sat somewhere. But I was, I was bitter because I had a really great idea and I didn't get to use it. Um, so instead I used that move to attack. Uh, it almost killed me, but I just decapitated the bad guy instead first. And I felt really good about that for the next like three weeks in game. It was like, I don't actually have to fight because I'm a hero now. <laughs> that also didn't work. And I'm pretty sure like the next, next battle I was taking. Anyway, the point is that initial this worked is really great. And then after that, you really like, once you do a cool thing, I think the rule is you no longer have to contribute to the party. That's um, what I've heard in my explorations of the TTRPG space. So uh, thank you for going on that journey with me. Thanks. Thanks, team. Are you ready for a new question? Here we go. Uh, from Darby again. How much swearing at each other do you cut out? I think it's a question for, let's say, half of the team and less so the other half of the team. Sam, Jero, what would you like to say for yourselves? You potty mouth individuals. God, we didn't even have Jeff for this one because we're like, that guy cannot be trusted. Cannot oh say my a God. Swear. He just, you got to mute him for 10, 20 minutes at a time. He just goes off on these wild tangents. Yeah, it's the first time I've actually ever seen a podcast get an NC 17 rating. It's been really hard to shake that. It's one of those things I frequently bring just to like outside of the podcast. You know, I think we like to have like a cool down session to be like, Jeff, are you okay? You seem really upset. You dropped a lot of swears. <laughs> That's um, a joke. I think the actual yeah, answer to yeah. that question is uh, a fair amount. Well, a fair amount for me, I guess. I think I feel like everyone else is. Well, not really at each other, though. Yeah, I'm never at you, right? That's ridiculous, yeah. unless you continue to bring up yogurt. But I think we all get along pretty well, and it's just when I happen to forget that we're recording already. It's like, I don't know, 15%? I'm lucky that I work with the public, especially a lot of kids and old people, and have for the last decade. So I've basically trained myself out of swearing when I know I'm somewhere or doing something that I'm not supposed to swear in because I actually in my private life swear like a sailor <laughs> and I am glad that I do have that uh, 
kind of restraint trained into me <laughs> because otherwise Izzy has nothing on how bad I would be if I wasn't uh, used to stopping myself before I say anything. Okay, well, don't make it a challenge. Otherwise, same-ish. I mean, I have a job that I... Actually, honestly, that job doesn't necessarily help those things. But I talk to my grandparents sometimes. Uh, so I'm familiar with centering myself. But also, I'm aware that I'm not... When I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to my grandparents. And that is a real tough line for me. I'm like, this is... We're talking to friends. And I'm talking with friends. I have no filter. Oops. But at each other, like zero, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would say that, like... I... Even when... Uh, like Sam, who is obviously the most deserving recipient of of all of the verbal <laughs> abuse that's thrown around on this podcast that we decided out. You guys just hear all the rosy stuff, but it's it's pretty rough. It's like it's like a late stage, like very popular rock band, like like the Beatles <laughs> or something. But you know, you guys only see the the rosy side of things. No, honestly, I I don't think we've ever sworn in at each other, and I mean. Yeah, Izzy and I swear a good deal, but it's usually just like, uh, no, honestly, I don't know. There's, there's no typifying what we usually swear about. We just swear a lot. We both just swear an awful lot. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot, a lot of it's just part of my vocab because I am not ever around old people or kids, so I don't have to do that. Flash, we live this whole game just right mm -hmm. on the edge, you know, and then sometimes you get excited and you forget that you're doing a it's podcast. True. So uttered out of excitement. Or sometimes your castmates uh, tell you you're allowed to swear. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're lied to. Just go along sometimes with it until it happens. Sometimes you're lied to by castmates. And, and they say things like, hey, don't worry about it. It's cool. We're on Sirius XM. And you're like, cool, I'm going to buy into that because I trust you as a person. And then sometimes those things are lies. And then everyone mocks you and you get dropped in the Discord. And it's a crazy time everywhere. But only sometimes that happens. So I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, that I used to swear. Zach, would you like I used to swear like a you know person who just talks normally. Then I had kids, and I still swore some. And then one day I was driving with my daughter in the car, and like somebody cut me off or something, and I swore, thinking it was under my breath. And then um, my daughter said, "I'm gonna dox some people here." My daughter said, "Grandpa says that too," and I was like, "Nope, I'm done. <laughs> it's over." <laughs> And that was the end of it for me. I can't be grouped in with Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's a rough one. Again, from Sir Newt. Uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Commodore asked this one. We love, we love them. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck pecker boards? I don't know what a pecker board let's, is. Is uh, that a let's thing? Check it out. I'm jumping right into the Google there. Yeah, let's look this up. And this on is Google. this is Zach being a more personable person than I could ever be by googling the question and say instead of saying no, that's probably not a real Search question. Search only for pecker. All of this is getting cut out. It looks like they are like the wooden puzzle things. Oh, those I things! Didn't I didn't know that's what those are called. Yeah, yeah, neither did I. Also, I saw uh, a ton of those when I was little. Man, I'm I'm I am I'm really trying to go for uh, this pecker-board puzzle thing. I'm not seeing it, but by making that two words, it's much worse. So I am <laughs> done. Don't don't add a space. <laughs> yeah, no, I I knew that ahead of time. You did not the to wrong put a space thing, in there. Zach. You did the wrong thing. Oh, should have warned you. Well, let's leave that in. I mean. The very least, 
I feel like that answered the question, or they at least got what the, everyone got what they wanted out of that. And uh, the exact uh-huh. trauma spiral. Yeah. So I'm gonna say like 12 is my answer. Like 12. Period. Now the real question though comes from whether if a woodchuck throws a pecker chucks a pecker board, does each individual puzzle piece count, or is the entire thing just one thing? I think the whole thing's one thing, and if any of the pieces fall out, it doesn't count. Oh, well, oh, well then no zero. possible oh, way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question answered. Welcome to okay. uh, uh, Machine should... Learning, the only podcast that'll define what a peckerboard and a war crime is. <laughs> In consecutive months. And with that, I think we've walked down a pretty solid question and answer session. Thank you for joining us for Machine Learning Episode 5. The only, it's the only thing that matters, aside from the other podcast. Please join us again next month, and we'll see you then, scrappers. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Machine Learning from Pot Against the Machine. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> it's not I'm just collecting me. that one. Why wasn't Jeff here to scowl uh, at you? So good. <laughs> My you. brain blanked and I missed yeah. part of the. Uh, uh huh. Yep. Yes. Okay. Love that. Love that for us. So fun. Uh, Try again. It's going in the after credits. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that any of these are worth. Not not worth answering. We should. Take that <laughs> oh my <first>. god. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not going to cut that that part out. Izzy hates questions. That, in there. that was that was. Oh, Izzy hates the fans. Man. <laughs> I, don't hate, I don't hate the questions, but one of these is obviously. <laughs> As uh, Tracy Moore would say, "Don't hate the questions, hate the fans." No, and I wouldn't do that either. I think everyone is great. I just. <laughs> <laughs>